Welcome to Generations of X, the podcast where we discuss the past, present, and future of all things X-Men. I'm your co-host, the uncanny Dayspring. And I'm your other co-host, the adjectiveless Flinkman. Flink, oh my God, it's it's finally here. After finally, 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 after the longest break from MCU movies and content, I, I believe Spider-Man Far From Home, July 2019 was the last time we got something from the MCU, right? Yeah, it's been about 18 months or so since we, we've had any MCU content. So this has been the longest stretch I think we've had since the MCU began in, in 08. And guys, WandaVision has finally arrived on Disney Plus, and we are just so excited. We have assembled a WandaVision trust. I, I don't know, Flink, what, what have we assembled here? Well, we've assembled a mix of dear friends and family to join us uh, every Thursday as we're going to do mini-sode coverage of each and every episode of WandaVision. It's a, it's going to be an ambitious undertaking, but I'm so excited to uh, be here with you and our friends to, uh, to do this. Well, we did 10 of swords for like, like what, 22 weeks? Well, let's, let's no, no, hope that this goes a little bit, a little bit, uh, has more direction than that. Yeah, and listeners, we are covering WandaVision in such great detail because Flink and I believe this is ground zero for the introduction of the mutants in the MCU. So we want to pick apart every excruciating detail. As per usual, as per <laughs> usual. But but before we do that, before we dive in and, and break down all of our feels uh, on the series, do you, do you want to introduce our first guest panelist? Oh, with great pleasure. <clears throat> Our first guest is a graduate of the Parsons School of Design. He is a character designer, illustrator, and animator, and has worked on various freelance projects, such as drag queen merch for the self-proclaimed internet reality trash LA queen, Bible Girl. His work has been featured on House Rules in LA, and he has a blink or you'll miss it background cameo in Zoolander 2, which he did pro bono just for the fans. He will whip your ass with Rosalina in Mario Kart and make you cry with Lucario in Smash Brothers. But you know what? His thoughts and actions are utterly unclouded. And most importantly, he is my little brother. Please welcome Ryan. Hi, I'm that meme you always are looking for on the Explore page, but you just can't find it. Nightfall. <laughs> Nightfall? <laughs> you're, sh you're so shady. That's what I call an entrance. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, do we have to call you Nightfall in this? No, no, no. I you don't want to. You don't want a, uh, a nickname to to fit right alongside us. I think Nightfall's perfect because it'll just stick a thorn in Dayspring, <laughs> <laughs> like you have my entire life. Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, Ryan, I I've heard so much about you. I've been following your work for since ever since you've had work to, to follow. So I feel like I've known you, but this is actually the, the first time we have uh, met virtually face-to-face. -face, and I'm, it's so exciting to, to have you here with us. Thank you for, for popping by. And, and listener, he actually designed the logo for- It's Generation true, yes. Did I? 
Did you? <laughs> I, it was All a for a plate of chicken tendies. <laughs> <laughs> as I, you know, as our agreement with everything I do for you. Um, <laughs> no, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to meet Flinkman virtually and our other guests as well. I won't spoil the surprise, um, but I'm super happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. And I'm more also very happy to contribute in any way artistically and, you know, opinionated as well. I like to stay my opinions after all. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, I can't get enough of your family's opinions. So I'm, I'm here. For, I'm here for my second serving. <laughs> it's you're so funny. Oh my God. You're so salty and funny today. Well, you know, I, Someone I had, had her mind before we, before oh. we sat down. Uh, so yeah, speaking of our other guests, uh, Courtney Roberts is an international adventurer slash writer slash bibliophile who currently resides in Seoul, South Korea, where she is honing her craft while also mastering both the Korean language and the art of being a home barista. I've known Courtney for almost 10 years now after we were introduced via email CCs at work, uh, but we became actual fast IRL friends thanks to our mutual love of nerd culture and comic book conventions. Uh, we've attended countless cons together over the years, um, per but perhaps none more memorable uh, then when we popped our San Diego Comic-Con cherries together back in 2015, uh, I'm very happy to report that our friendship more than survived my Hall H hissy fit that year uh, and has thrived thanks to a comic book club that Courtney initiated and has helped maintain with a great group of our friends. Uh, how many years have we have we been doing comic book club now, Courtney? Um, I believe it was it's. it has to be over five years. I think it's got to be more like seven, but I yeah. Get in the weeds, in the weeds. I, I'm just yeah. so happy to have you here. We have been doing this nerd thing together uh, for years and years. We always used to see the movies together. And we were actually in Hall H in 2019 together when WandaVision and all the other Disney Plus stuff uh, was announced. Thank you so much for being here. I, there was no other person I had in mind for this. Oh, thank you so much, Blinkman. I'm going to try not to like say your name. name. I mean, if you do, it happens. We've done it before. Wait, Courtney. <laughs> Courtney, hmm. I need to know, what was the Hall H hissy fit? <laughs> oh my gosh. So this was like a whole other side of Michael that I saw because before, so we used to work together and I remember going by your desk and that when I went by your desk, because before we only used to like communicate over email and then I had to ask you a question. So I went by your desk and then I just see all this comic stuff related comic stuff i was like whoa this guy is so cool so i think that's our friendship started and then i believe it was like that next year it was real quick we became like quick quick buddies there travel yes. buddies so i believe it was that next year that we went to san diego comic-con yeah. and we all it was like also with our friend echo and shout out to echo Shout out to Echo. And we decided we're going to do Hall H. Like that is the pinnacle thing that we need to get into. And that Which is, is a hell of a commitment, as I'm sure most of our listeners yeah. know at this point. It's a test of your friendship. Yes. Right there. <laughs> like that is. <clears throat> so we had, oh my gosh. I, I think it was when we were waiting in line, right, Michael? You, we decided we were going to do shifts because that's the only way you can really survive the Hall yep. H because it starts we got in line the day before like six at, in the morning what the first shift started 
Yeah. So we got, and of course, we're not anywhere close to the front of the line. No. <laughs> and I believe this is like one of the hottest years. So like, we only had pretty much like a blanket. And this was when we were on that kind of grassy knoll island. Yeah. I forgot what it was like. The island. The island. We just called it the island because we were there for so, <laughs> for so long. We were camped out on the island. <laughs> and I hate to say, I think, Michael, you did the longest shift. Yeah. So like what what happened was is it was it was actually a really nice day. And we were like we said, I was like back out on this island and it opens up to the bay and it was like gorgeous and breezy. Um, and I was like, no problem, guys. I got this. It's like a day at the beach. But then night came. We were. I was still in line. I hadn't had any food. When the sun goes down and you're by the ocean, it was cold as hell. This was the first yeah. year that they did like wristbands to get into Hall H. So like, what year? What year was it? 2015. 2015. Uh, and so like the wristband process was a mess. And it took the. They were like five hours behind schedule. And I, would you say a hissy fit is like an accurate yes. description? <laughs> yes. Well, Michael. I've seen you, I've seen you when we've done long recordings and you haven't had dinner. <laughs> you have been like, I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, so, that's so Michael, <laughs> it, was, it was literally just like, he kept saying the same thing. He was like, where are they? Where is it? Like, where are those wristbands? Like, and you were like, I'm about to walk off. I'm about to like, I'm pretty sure I literally off. stomped my feet and then did walk <laughs> off and then turned right around and stomped back and just like, didn't say anything. God, what a diva. Diva. Yeah. But I was a joy the rest of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were, we got our wristbands at like one in the morning and then we had to be back in line by like seven. seven. Yeah, it was. And they were supposed to distribute the wristbands at like 9 p.m. And we didn't get them until one in the morning. Ryan, you've done New York Comic Con, but you've never done San Diego. And you've done LA Comic Con, right? Yeah. San Diego is like a different beast altogether. Mm -hmm. Like it's savage. Well, especially because I heard those stories. You guys always talked about it. And I like the fact that it's like right on the beach, you said. It's like so beautiful and gorgeous. I wish I could see it. Obviously, I live on the West Coast now, so... I can go down there at any point uh, post COVID, but um, you guys talking about the line thing kind of made me think a lot about the fact that I did that not for Comic-Con, but as a side tangent, I feel that pain when waiting in line and especially the whole wristband thing, because I would, um, as Paul knows, I was a huge and still am a huge Gaga fan. I mean, huge is an understatement. (laughs) 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 We're like all your Facebook profile pictures from like 2012 through 2018 are with you and Gaga. (laughs) It was like photos I got with her. (laughs) You were like part of her little inner circle. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I waited in line though. Like I would wait in lines, whether it was to do events or if we knew she was going to go to a studio, we would do that. Obviously, there was no wristbands waiting for you if you were waiting outside of her studio, so that was not fun. But um, one of my favorite things was always the concerts. You know, we I would do the, the GA, and that was so stressful because you would have to get, like, front, center just to get a good mm-hmm. spot. Um, and it's so crazy, like, what an hour's difference can do to you. So I can imagine the same thing applies here as well. But um, when the last show I went to was the Joanne World Tour, they were like, we're giving out. We, we got there early. We only waited in line for, like, two hours. And they're like, here's your wristband. Come back at like four o'clock. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> we're like, what do we do with this entire day now? We're just like, 
what is the purpose? We were so prepared to just camp out for like seven hours and like go to the hotel, change and like do the shifts and hope that the person you're like, you know, you're telling them, hey, can you hold my spot? Isn't going to like sell you out or give away your spot, basically. Wait, was right? this line buddies for that kind of thing are critical. We have we've made a couple of of interesting uh line buddy friends in our years at san diego comic-con you meet some interesting folks i couldn't yeah. like last or the last year that we did it like 2019 there's like this big group picture that i have uh, up on my instagram there's like 20 people that we did like yeah. this line buddy thing with and i literally oh. literally could name four people in that photo and i think i even like captioned that i was like <laughs> thanks to all these people whose names i'll never know oh, i do remember yeah. that photo yeah you'll never see them ever again but they were the ever. best people yes. to sit in <laughs> they're so important in that moment <laughs> they really pioneered your life yeah you guys are like, man, I never wait in those lines. I no, don't. you always, your your experience, like your San Diego Comic-Con experience to me, is like, yeah, we were having brunch in the Gaslight <laughs> District and I saw Elijah Wood at the table next to us. And then we went to Palm Springs for a day before my we God. returned to Comic-Con for two hours. Jesus oh my fucking God. Christ, you nailed it. Like that like, is literally what happened in my last Comic-Con, like verbatim. Like, no, seriously. And I'm like, I'm in line at five in the I, morning and we I, are getting those goddamn damn wristbands and like, I did like a battle I don't think I've ever had brunch like at really like, I think I'm just like we've always like made like pre-packed or stuff at yes the, hotel. <laughs> like the first one up makes the PB&J <laughs> right, right. put it in your backpack the Bellinis at whatever historical hotel is in the gas lamp district is just like, it's delicious. And it's just like going in and being completely buzzed. I will say I have waited for the Hasbro exclusives, especially that year with X-Force. And then the other year I went, which was the She-Force. Uh, yeah. Or not She-Force, A-Force. Not, <laughs> not the Toy Biz 5-inch She-Force, um, which I would still wait for. But Guys, we assembled you here to talk about WandaVision episode one and two. But before we dive into that, we want to know about you guys. And I'm going to give this question first. I'm going to kick it off with Ryan. And I want to know, what is your history with... I know this. I Obviously, I know this. But I want you to tell the fine folks at home listening to who inspired your passion for comic books. Because this is my moment. So, please. <laughs> wow, what a buildup. I love that. <laughs> he was looking at me the whole time. That's why. Um, I was looking at your beautiful facial hair. Well, yeah, if if Dayspring just looks in the mirror, he'll see who inspired me was Dayspring. Um, he got me into comics very early on as uh like as early as I can imagine. I mean, we talked about X-Men. Uh, Marvel, all that stuff. Um, we're we're big Sailor Moon fans and Magic Knight Ray Earth. And one of your <laughs> okay. Oh shit, here comes the Sailor Moon podcast. We we have a lot <laughs> Sailor Moon podcast right here. Um but Ryan, I ordered a an action figure. Again, at the time it was so exotic that like you can order like action figures from Japan. And I got Umi from Ray Earth and Ryan wanted it. He really liked it. I should have known that you were also gonna be part of the LGBTQIA plus family. And you got so upset that you didn't have one. And you were like two years old and I was like 12. And I threw Umi into the crib. I don't remember throwing her. You remember it as being I, I, Yeah, I said that you tossed her in. And like, I that's like something I just remember. It wasn't like you threw it. You just like tossed it in. Like as if you're like, here, have it. 
I was yeah, like, because mom was like, I bet on like your little brother. He wants that toy. It's a muñequita. Like, give it to <laughs> him. <laughs> Which muñequita translates into little doll. And but anyways, sure. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, you're good. I'm used to it now. <laughs> I like, right. I'm uh, sure he's used to it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I have 27 years on this and not to date myself, but <laughs> I have 27 um, days and I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sandra Bullock. Oh, no, that's- <laughs> um, but, you know, from the literally from my earliest mem- memories and a lot of what I kind of can re- uh, recollect was always talking about X-Men uh, Marvel. Actually, another funny story was that I had the, uh, the old like, phoenix figurine the green one uh in her green, uh, green phoenix uniform Marvel Legends and- series six mm-hmm. which we ordered from japan as well or hong kong at, at the time from ebay yeah and then they we ordered the dark phoenix my husband jeff and i ordered dark phoenix and one green phoenix and then you wanted one phoenix and we got you one and they all three arrived on the same day at the and lake house that she also like she lit up to her hair lit up her eyes oh up. no that's a toy biz one that's a toy biz okay. five inch one, one. I, okay one okay okay yeah. sorry I, I, I forgot really you did. had that one quit stepping I, on his memories i know i know <laughs> thank you someone finally gets it um <laughs> no but uh i had the the light the toy biz one and i remember that one fondly because that was my favorite and actually when we went to um the cheesecake factory and had dinner there uh with the family um which, God, I can't believe we went to the Cheesecake Factory. I mean, I literally had DoorDash Cheesecake Factory last <laughs> night. I have my cheese what did you get? in the fridge. What, what is there even to get for your dietary restrictions? The four cheese pasta. Oh. That sounds delicious. I love the pumpernickel bread. Anyways, Ryan, Ryan, continue. You're good, you're good, don't worry. Um, but I, I remember that because I, I dropped it and I left it there and we had to go back the next day and they had it and I was like, that was like a saving grace moment for me. And I was, and I still have it. I'm sure it's like buried in the attic at this point or old under house. all your wigs. <laughs> yeah. And all the dresses and heels that I'm not using anymore. Um, but uh, you know, my history with, with comics that was definitely very much um, kind of molded by Dayspring a lot when we talked a lot about it and the, um, I don't want to go into it right now because it's the next question I'm sure you guys are going to ask, but we had a lot of uh, series that I kind of followed and really was obsessed with. And, um, you know, as the years kind of went on, Marvel and X-Men has always kind of been something I've been really fond of and I have a lot of great memories for. And that's why, you know, I was saying before we started recording, you know, I'm like, I'm a 50-50 in terms of like Jean Grey, Emma fan, because literally that's like our like conversations whenever we talk about X-Men or comics, it's always about Jean or uh Jean Grey or Emma Frost and just even like talking about you know all these amazing stories back in the day um I also remember you know Messiah Complex with Hope Summers and the many various (laughs) tales we had with that one insert rant here when I was at Wizard wait no wait 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 no no he has a better story are you gonna talk about the panel one Yes, can I tell this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So please. I actually remember, I don't know why, why weren't you with us? I forgot why you weren't with us. Um, did I have a gig? I don't know. I don't Maybe. know why I wasn't with so we I think I, in, I had a booking. This was New York Comic Con, and we, uh, with his husband Jeff, and uh, we went there. Um, I felt like you were there, you just weren't with us, but we went to the panel that they were having. Um, also, a little bit of the details are a little foggy, but I remember the It was the up. X-Men panel. Yeah, the X-Men panel, thank you. And um, we, you know, they at the end of the panel after they discussed everything 
the reason we really went there was to hear if they had anything to talk about Hope Summers and her connection to Jean Grey and all this stuff because they were very ambiguous about it at the time. And so his uh, husband waited in line in the little panel thing. And, you know, I was watching him and he goes up and it's so funny because they're all asking these like really, you know, sweet, or they're saying sweet things or asking really innocent questions and it's all like lighthearted and whatnot. And then his husband, Jeff, goes up to the front and basically, I don't remember what he says, but he basically, he was just like, so what is the correlation between Hope Summers and Jean Grey? And they were like trying to pass it off like it wasn't. Like there wasn't a correlation. And he goes, no, no, th- but there is. Like she is the embodiment or the reincarnation. Of like arguing. So, it was so funny just watching this play out because I'm just sitting there, by the way, as a like a teenager, none the wiser to what is going on. As the 27 year old right now, I'm living, reliving this memory right now because I was like, he really just stirred the pot. He said, here's the receipts. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and they just, they were like, they just stayed tight-lipped about it. Literally, he had to be pretty much like, okay, next question. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the big secret of my relationship here is that Jeff is actually the crazy Jean Grey fan. <laughs> but listeners, you will find out more about uh, my husband, Jeff, and Flinkman's fiance, Kenny, in a future episode, maybe. <gasps> but maybe, Courtney... Maybe. What about you? What is your history with comics? So I think from a young age, I had gotten into Sailor Moon, more manga. And Sailor Moon, Magic Knight Ray Earth, huge fan. I'm a huge fan of those. I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off. But like, no, no. I, I love Ray Earth and I love Sailor yeah. Moon. Did you see the Sailor Moon Eternal? Uh, of course. Like yes. teasers? Of I've course been okay. The music yeah. video that just landed with all of the... Listen. Yes. Okay, that's our sandwich. Who do podcast. you think she is? We're we're taking this <laughs> offline. We're taking. I literally sent that to Ryan before because <laughs> we see them in their eternal fukus, which yeah. we've never seen. Anyways, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. Huge, huge. Um, so kind of, I started in manga and also got into anime, but more like Cowboy Bebop, like those kind of things. And it wasn't into. I hadn't really touched any sort of Marvel Universe, DC Comics. I mean, maybe my dad had like a Swamp Thing comic that I didn't really, you know, you at a young age, you don't really understand. You don't really care. Like I was all into like- Is, is your dad a secret Alan Moore stan? I, I actually do not know. I, I think <laughs> he just had that from sometime he had just bought it whenever we had gone to the bookstore or something like that. Like he just kind of picks up random things. And then- I think it was a little bit before I met you, Flinkman, where I had seen some concept art of the Guardians of the Galaxy before they started filming the actual movie. Like, I think they had announced it or I believe it was Brian Michael Bendis's like run Mm -hmm. prior to it starting. Yep. And I got really kind of into that because this was the first exposure, I think, for me, like space and Marvel comics. Like I didn't really kind of ever connect any sort of kind of space superhero group with Marvel before seeing that. I just didn't have as much knowledge. And I had really been into Firefly, like Joss Whedon's like um, TV series, like way back when. And then this kind of just really hit home. I was like, oh, I think this would be a ragtag bunch of superheroes, like oddities all coming together. So I was really 
into that. And I think I'd have to say the turning point was when I met you, Flinkman. Like we, you really opened the door because before I never read single issue comics. I had never really gone seriously to the comic book store every week. And I think you probably kind of inspired me to expand my horizon yeah, it was all fairly serendipitous because right around that time is when Marvel really started to do a push uh, mm-hmm. with their female characters and to like try to 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 expand their audience. So that was right around the time of Char- Charles Soule's She-Hulk. Ms. Marvel was brand new. Carol had just become Captain Marvel. There was that really wonderful Spider-Woman book. Yeah. Uh, they were really starting to, you know, grow there or or like actually do stuff with this stable of wonderful female characters that they have. And you, um, yeah, we had just started to become like good friends at that point. And I was like, well, here's Ms. Marvel. I think there was only like three issues out at that point. And like, yeah, you and our our friend Echo again, shout out to Echo. uh, I think we started right around that time. We would go to uh, the comic book store. Like we would go to the comic book store and we would go get sushi or go to the, like the Thai buffet or something like every yeah. single Wednesday, we all worked together. We had yeah. our little uh, nerd crew. And yeah, that was like, like that was you getting into comics, but that was the first time that I ever like really shared my ritual with anybody. So like the memories of the three of us working together and getting to like do that. It's a very special memory in all my years of being a comic book reader for sure. And yeah. the Sarah Pichelli art for Guardians of the Galaxy. Like what a... Yeah. Starting off there with the Bendis run and speaking of the huge push that Flink just said about female characters, we got Angela. Angela came yeah. in and it yeah. was big. That was just after Age of Ultron. Yeah. yeah. And 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 Spider-Gwen was happening. And that was when like Batgirl over <laughs> her got Spider. her yellow uh, Doc Martens. Like there was just a lot of energy around female comic book characters. So it made it really a, a whole lot easier to be like no comics really is welcoming you know of of the female readership really are welcoming of of you know people who aren't just you know me and dayspring with our our opinions that we (laughs) will fight you on with our you know 30 years of of comic book history that we have you know wrapped up in our brains but (laughs) it's i like it was that period like i seriously it was it was a joy sort of getting to to share this passion with with somebody new and of course you've taken it and and you've run with it and like i mentioned earlier you know we do have our our monthly book club and uh I always look forward to to what you're going to 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 pick because yours is always some of the the more interesting (laughs) things (laughs) for for better or for worse. Courtney has picked some interesting (laughs) things. I think I I don't think either one of us have have picked the worst thing we've ever read, but but I digress. We are not here to uh, to discuss specifically. Well, well. I guess we're not just here to to discuss WandaVision. We're here to no, we can we can stray a little a bit. This is a journey. It, this is a journey. Our, we'll get to WandaVision. Our listenership is going to be with these folks for like eight episodes. They they need to get to know them a little bit more. Well, well. So in the spirit of that, I guess my next question before we delve into to the more specific stuff is is in general, and we'll start with you, Courtney. What is uh, your favorite comic series? Um. Gosh, that's a, such a hard question. I think me coming in a little bit later, maybe the Jason Aaron female Thor oh. series, Russell Darterman. Like I think the art and 
the story for that, I thought it was just really eye like just I think the beauty of the art, the story I had not ever seen this kind of new that you could change the gender of a superhero was I thought they were always really kind of set in stone. And yeah. so the the change of that, I thought, wow, this is really cool. And then of course to I think this is due to your credit, LinkedIn, was the X-Men God Loves Man Kills. Yeah. Um book yeah. oh my god what? that book i can't even imagine reading that for the first time as an adult yeah i mean it's just so powerful i mean even as a kid it's kind of like eye-opening but a lot of those themes go over your head and you sort of digest it throughout the years but reading it as an adult you're like yeah. what are the x-men yeah and i actually sorry but i had not known anything about x-men and i didn't really have that much interest in it first i think because i just wasn't like super i we when we read Grand Design, I think yeah. that really kind of shed some light because it just felt like this super complicated universe that I don't I wouldn't know where to enter into it. And it yeah. just felt like I would never be able to understand it and all the complexities. Right. And- <laughs> and like, even when we were doing like our, our weekly ritual, like comic book stuff, I wasn't pushing X-Men on you be- for, for that like specific right. reason. I'm like, this stuff is a little bit more accessible. I, I don't know that, that you would be able to, to dive right into, oh, here are the, the five original X-Men and they're teenagers and they're from the past. And they were brought here by Beast <laughs> by, by, to, to combat Cyclops who went insane and killed Xavier. And like, you're like, no, no, no. Cool. Read, read this mini series starring Emma Frost, <laughs> higher learning. <laughs> <laughs> the best X-Men ever, which is a very accessible. It is a very accessible. Series. It is. It is. It is. But it's a very you know, accessible. I, I, I wanted you didn't seem at the time all of that, all that into X-Men. I wanted to nurture what you were into. But I would say X-Men Grand Design was the perfect thing to recommend to a comic book club because it is the very essence of X-Men boiled down to like three oversized like like volumes and it's perfect and I, we'll probably have to have you back for an episode about that someday but but I digress I digress Ryan uh what about you what is a favorite comic book series of of yours um, my favorite actually because I do have a very close relationship with it is Civil War um it's the first series I actually read as a kid. I was in middle school or high school. Oh God. I know, sorry. Guys. I mean, it makes sense. I was I was at Wizard when that story broke and you would have been 12. Yeah, you would, yeah. I was 22, so I, 23. I was, so you've been 12, 13. Yeah, so I was like seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, but I, uh, I loved it because what, what was so awesome about Civil War for me specifically as a kid, you know, growing up, you have all, uh, and by the way, I owe this to Dayspring because, of course, naturally he is like the one that taught me how to kind of challenge a lot of things that were presented. You always kind of said things like, um, well, yes, this is not black and white. There's actually a lot of factors here. There, and he always exposed me to such great writers, too. I mean, we, I know his love for Grant Morrison. Wait, 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 please go continue. Continue. The fact that I'm being I haven't heard this ever. <laughs> But, you know, going to the fact that he, you know, has such an admiration for Grant Morrison, you know, these are really great resources and authors and uh, series that kind of molded me to understand, like, the world differently, especially with something like Civil War, where the the black and white of it was, you know, heroes need to register or heroes don't register. And there was this idea behind both of them being valid. And I remember talking to a kid about it, because around the same time, too, there was another kid in my school that was, like, obsessed with comics and x-men and marvel and we were talking about it and he was like 
well, it's obviously bad because, you know, blah, 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 they, they should register and all this stuff. And, you know, he had such a very like specific kind of like almost didn't want to see the other side or didn't even want to like open kind of what this, what the story was really presenting. And it was really like impactful for me to kind of have this dialogue with people and then also really kind of mature in a sense of like understanding, yeah, these actions have consequences and there's weight to what you are as a superhero, like what makes you a superhero and how do we actually police these things? And they're really fascinating conversations to be had, especially because also moving forward to that end, one of my favorite character designs uh, is Penance's character design. Yeah. Um, I know he gets kind of a lot of slack for, or kind of um, thrown under the bus for overall what his storyline was, but I thought that was a really great. Well, and you, you were such a quintessential emo kid. <laughs> I really sweat things. Bands, like, sweat bangs and the fact that he's pricked you know and he bleeds every time <laughs> yeah, and, and to be clear we're talking about the robbie baldwin speedball penance the the yeah. penance two yeah i, I oh. 13 year old just identified with that so much you so know? much the, the spikes really it's just matching my spiky hair <laughs> what, what i loved about that time ryan was because you had finally and if i can just interject here i found like you had you had come to a, a point where you were starting to be able to look at things on a very high concept level. And it wasn't just reading something and you know that was very flat and and tailored to a certain age group. Like I remember having discussions with you about civil war. And it was very defining for me because I, I realized that you had also become passionate about comic books. Mm. And and that you 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 were really smart when talking about them, and I I, I enjoyed those. <laughs> Listen, it's the only time I'm going to call you smart, so <laughs> take it. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so you know we've we, we've talked Civil War, we've talked Thor, and that's great. You guys uh, like like comic books that aren't X Men, but yeah, good job, uh, guys. Good job on coming on an X Men podcast and yeah, anything. Thanks, thanks but for that. Thanks. <laughs> No, it's fine. It's good. It's good. We, no, it's we like no, no. they can opinion. have different opinions. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's why you're here. That's why you're here. But but of course we ha we have to ask this question, being who we are and being an X Men podcast. Uh, let's start with you, Ryan. Who is your favorite X Man? Well, and if you say Jean Grey, I'm going to say you were brainwashed. No, 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 no. I I actually really thought about the because I'm not taste just runs blood. in the family. Hold on, wait. What if I said Beast? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna we say in eject, eject. How do you call? <laughs> mute. Um, How do I mute you here? <laughs> right. Um, I'm gonna sound so stupid saying this, but um, because it's overall the the story and the kind of like his character design, and because I think he's also hot. Um, <laughs> not, and I don't think he's an X Men. You can correct me on this. Dakin Wolverine. No, he, yeah. Oh yeah, he yeah he yeah. counts, and he's on Krakoa right I, now. I like, I like his like character design. I love his whole backstory and everything that goes with it. Um, obviously Wolverine is such a, like an aged character too. And with a lot of the history and that it goes into it too. I thought that was like kind of always a character I found really interesting, like looking into and researching. I mean, any of the X-Men I can sit here and say like what I like about them. But for him, I was like, I like kind of just the, the like I feel like having a Wolverine as a dad already kind of creates just the backstory. Wolverine daddy. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I am... 
I am genuinely shocked. I thought you were going to say like Emma or Jean, or maybe you would have thrown like, you know, like a left field or something like that. But I didn't think Bobby. you were going to go taken. <laughs> yeah, I thought you maybe you would say Bobby because, Bobby. you know, you know, I can't, I didn't even know you knew Dakin existed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and actually, funny enough, one of my favorite renditions of him, he never got uh, illustrated, but was by Kevin Wada. Um, he's oh, done yeah. a lot of uh, oh, She-Hulk yeah, and a lot of other artists. And I love, you know, having him as like a, an artist that has done covers for Marvel and X-Men has been amazing too. But he does a lot of great renders of Gambit, um, oh, Gene and Emma too. And um, I love his rendition of Dakin, but also just, you know, that's a character that I've actually always kind of found interesting, even way back when, when I, I think you had an action figure of him. Well, because I thought he had a mohawk and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, this character has a mohawk. He's so cool. Who is he? So when you lived with us, I don't know if you went to this. It, it was a return of Marvel Legends Wave 2 Flink. Oh, and yeah. everyone was going out looking for Dakin and unmasked Dakin. Specifically. Oh, yeah. It, it has to be unmasked because why be did you cover that? But we didn't have alternate heads back then. Oh, no, no, no. And we didn't even have a Build-A-Figure. We had like a Build-A-Base. <laughs> you know, <that laughs> those great, ugly bases. But Ryan, I don't know if you had come to the game that we went at MSG. I got him the day I got my adult braces. And we went to a game like that like into and so I found him. I forgot forgetting where I found him, but I took him to MSG and then I brought him home and I was really excited. But yeah, he I had him when we lived together. I didn't know you noticed him. I, I literally was like, he has a mohawk. This is the coolest. How can you ever. not notice him? <laughs> Courtney, who is your favorite X-Man? Uh, okay. I I don't think I can choose between two. So okay. I'd say Storm and Kitty Pride. Okay. Okay. Excellent okay. answers. I was I was on pins and needles. I, <laughs> I have to say, Storm is iconic. Not many people. I mean, a lot of people say she's their favorite and they love her, but they don't necessarily say definitive favorite Storm. Halle Berry. <laughs> oh, Halle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Ryan, do you remember when we were watching Days of Future Past and Brian Singer was in the theater and Storm died <laughs> and everyone cheered when Storm died. When Holly Berry died, everyone went, Woo! and I, Ryan and I turned around specifically to see Ryan Singer who came in with the, with the posse and we turned around to see and he was just cold staring at the screen. That's just his face, the Botox. <laughs> the Botox. The Botox. The Botox. <laughs> so like, give us a little breakdown. Why, why Storm? Why Kitty? Um... So I think Storm is just probably, she's been when I think the X-Men, I kind of immediately think of her because she has like led the team. And so I think it was that Storm individual comic run Flickman that we read together yes. way back when that kind of provided a bit about her history and backstory. I thought that was just really interesting. And she's very unique for, I think, the Marvel universe in general. Yeah. And so that, and along with kind of all the movies she's been in, I, again, not a very quintessential X-Men fan. Like I didn't really start with X-Men. So I'm kind of basing this off of everything I've gathered throughout the years of understanding the X-Men. And I think it was until we read um, Days of Future Past that I really liked Kitty Pride, And yeah. that, because I think what's, important when you start to love a character is you kind of just understand their backstory and their motives and everything. And I think that just provided another level of uniqueness and 
kind of interestingness to those characters, which I had never really understood before. But I think that I had identified with those certain characters. You just kind of find a connection. So out of all the X-Men, I think both of those are yeah, kind of- Yeah, I think those are, those are excellent choices. And, and not to mention with, with Kitty, I think right around the time that you, or, or pretty close to the time that, that we were reading comic books regularly, she was a member of Guardians of the Galaxy. She yeah. was engaged to Star-Lord. She actually Star-Lord, took over yeah. that identity for a little while. And I know a lot of X-Men fans don't, aren't really a, a fan of all of that, but I thought it was a, a lot of fun. Who, who yeah. was the writer who handled that? Was it Bendis? That was Bendis. That was Bendis. I, I think I jumped off Guardians by that point, but that's, I don't know. I, I'd have to reread that, that entire era for, for Kate. Right. Well, yes, now she is Kate, but she was still right. Kitty at that point. Um, and I think, I, I don't know, like I, I can see, I can see the appeal of her um, having jumped on at that point. And definitely when you say, you know, reading Days of Future Past, you know, yeah. that is a quintessential, like iconic Kitty story. That's her first big yeah. story as an X-Man. So, you know, not How only- How could you not love her after Days of Future Past? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think those are, those are awesome choices. And I think, uh, I'm just going to say, you know, I know you're not currently following uh, the X-Men comics, but Storm and Kitty are both on the cast of the same book right now, uh, Marauders. Oh. And it is, it is probably the best X book being published right now. Yeah, it's a fun book. It's a fun book. Although I think Storm is ascending. She may. She may. She's we'll ascending. See. We may see her. Spoilers. In I'm trying to get her to read this. Okay, date. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. 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 Okay. Okay. Look, 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 look. We can talk about our favorite X-Men all day, but like we are here for one reason and one reason only. The Great Pretender. So I kind of let's let let's get let's gauge your feelings. I, to sum up, Flink, how would you sum up your relationship with Wanda? Uh, your feels for Wanda? Uh, I'm not the biggest Wanda fan. Um, I think she's been used as a plot device negatively against the mutants and X Men. And as an X Men fan, I've felt very uh, targeted by her. <laughs> um, so so I I don't have the nicest of things to say about her. I think after speaking with you and Demanda at length about, <laughs> about the, the merits of Wanda Maximoff. Um, and listener, I, you can I, tune into that two-parter <laughs> airing that right two-part now. Two-part special. Um, no, I, I, I loved it, but I, I'm coming around. I'm coming around. Like you sort of have started to convince me that I can't judge her as a character because of poor editorial decisions. <laughs> whereas I kind of want to be petulant about it. And I, I love it. Wanda. I love Wanda viewers, you listeners, you guys probably know this. I'm a huge Wanda stan. I think her journey is a hero's journey in the Marvel <laughs> universe, in Marvel 616 universe. I thought No More Mutants was iconic. You know, you have to take your stories somewhere. Stories just have to go to a place. So I think having Wanda you know, have this complete mental breakdown and take away the X gene was just so epic. And, you know, I know it kind of wavered selfish. there. Selfish. It kind of wavered there in between um, big stories like Messiah Complex and, you know, Second Coming and Avengers versus X-Men. But they, they, they had momentum in the books. And the books were very special at the time. They had direction. So that's where Flink and I sort of stand. It's, it's kind of opposite. It sounds like he's coming around. But So, Ryan, we're going to start with you. Tell us about your history with Wanda. Do you like Wanda? 
Do you, Wanda? I, you know how, you know how much I love Wanda. I love Wanda so much that I bought three, count them, three Marvel Legends action figures of her back in the day for you and your husband Jeff. So this Are we was, talking janky Wanda. We're talking about janky. It wasn't called janky Wanda on the Foosh. They called her Nicole Richie Wanda because like, <laughs> the body was so emaciated. Like, oh, is, that's not the name I remember. Oh, really? Well, her. we won't repeat that. No, but um, so at the time, the I think it was series eleven, the the writer series, legendary uh, writer, legendary writer series. They Jessica Falcon had said, Oh, you know, like the factory had messed up on Wanda, so we are not making Wanda anymore. So I found one on eBay and I paid at the time, which was hefty, $150 for it. You, you, you threw some shade at me for that, Blink. And then Ryan was like, He called me on his like flip phone <laughs> and was like, <laughs> oh God, There's a Wanda here. And I was like, Yes, get her. And then you found two other ones and it was really great, but I think Ryan, you by proxy inherited love for Wanda because of me and that. Well, and you know, in a lot of ways, I actually think the from again not to go not to jump ahead, but the setup that they're kind of doing in the MCU with uh, the previous films and also WandaVision has been really great in kind of revamping her story and kind of polishing a lot of the stuff to really tell this tragic tale about her um i think she is a much more of a tragic character than you know when you really look at her and when you see the pain that she has i mean you know you can go into the idea of like motherhood um and how that impacted her her own inability to have romance or the the fact that her romance was kind of unethical or weird kind of ties a lot to even just like lgbtqia um issues and just even just the idea of queerness in itself it's she has a really great story if you kind of look past a lot of the retconning and you kind of try to piece it all back together, if you will. Um, oh, mean, there and- are retcons. <laughs> there are Just retcons. a few. Just a few. <laughs> to last us. It lasts us 27 days or 27 no years. more retcons. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I have a great fondness for it too because we House of M was actually one of my favorite, uh, another favorite ones as well because uh, I actually have really great memories from also watching the Newground animations of uh, House of M and all the other X-Men stuff that they did. Oh, the, the floating hands. Yeah, floating hands. Hand. The floating hand animations. We quoted those parodies like till the bitter end. <laughs> It's like a reflex almost. Now, Wanda, you know you can't go around making children. Oh, I just need another one. <laughs> oh, this one likes you. Do you, do you guys know about the floating no. head? I'm no. I'm afraid I don't. So can I, can, I, can I kind of give a little insight on it? So it, it, back in the day, Newgrounds Animation, are you guys familiar mm-hmm. with that? So mm-hmm. it was an old kind of like website where a lot of like animators put a lot of their work on. Um, they either did their own original work or they did parodies. A lot of parodies were there too. Um, it's It was a really great kind of breeding ground for animation work. Um, I'm not going to go too much into it so I don't kind of like slander or butcher the history, but it was a really great animation kind of um, uh, area at the time, in like the early 2000s. And there's one uh, guy did Floating Hands, did like a whole series of just like parodies of X-Men, Marvel kind of um uh, series spin-offs and whatnot so like specifically house of m was one of the big issues and they they made a whole thing about it they did the x-men 3 movie too like oh they did flink you would have loved this they did the return of gene gray and emma like standing there being like there hasn't even been enough time for grass to grow on her grave until that little tart has the audacity to come back to life again 
<laughs> I'm going to say, I can't believe you don't know these. No, I, 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 did, I wasn't, I'm not big on the, on the YouTube and the, the internet videos. I don't know. I've never it, been, I should be so, though. You would so die laughing. But, and, and like, also, it, you know, it, it kind of created a lot of depth for me. Cause again, you know, as a teenager, there was a lot of stuff I didn't grasp or didn't understand. And like watching these things was like, I kind of started to understand the humor and what they were poking fun at. And now looking back on it, I can kind of understand what they were trying to achieve with that. And then also again, knowing what Dayspring has talked to me a lot about like House of M and Marvel and uh, Wanda as a character. And even just seeing the show, you know, or the, the movies and now the show, I even talked to my boyfriend about it where I'm like, I like made him sit down and like watch this recap of House of M. And I was like, this is all the facts that we're going to be like we need to know and then especially with wandavision like and he was like oh is this gonna be like a house of m kind of stuff? i was like we don't know but we're gonna watch it and it's gonna be amazing and i was telling him all this about wanda because i actually do really like her she has a very tragic very sad story but it's also a very beautiful story especially just because it ties into a, a very current issue you know mental health and it's a really big thing that um she kind of is now getting that light and i think it's awesome that wandavision is kind of coming to the front but Ryan, we too, and by the way, I agree with everything you have just said. Someone read my Instagram rant, obviously, but um, we we came up with our own little Wanda song. Dude, do you remember that? Um, you came up with it. Um, yeah, they're right. I came up with, Blink, have I ever sang to you my Wanda song that no, I made? No, I don't, not that I recall. Do you guys know the Fanta song? Do you guys know Fanta? Like, of course. You want Wanda Fanta? Fanta. No Fanta? Okay, yeah. so, Ryan, do you remember it? Okay, okay. It's, oh, so it's, okay, all right. So, to that theme of the <laughs> Fanta song, huh? don't you Wanda, don't you Wanda, this reality really sucks. Hot Gypsy Wanda, make it not. Don't you Wanda? House of M, oh. that's no fun. Chill with Wanda in the sun, don't you, Wanda? And that's supposed to be Hawkeye like going up in flames. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I love it. I mean, so, so we're we're a family of Wanda fans. <laughs> I mean, I I I have to ask Courtney after that beautiful performance. What are what are your thoughts on Wanda? <laughs> oh my god! Follow up on that. <laughs> well, the complete opposite. I'd have to say. More so, I do. I had no idea who she was until the MCU, <laughs> until Civil War. Like, had no idea. I mean, I kind of knew, like, heard the name Scarlet Witch, but like, yeah. didn't know anything about her character. Didn't know anything about her backstory. So, like, I came into it like pretty cold, not understanding. And of course, I don't think that the MCU has like really maybe this is where WandaVision comes in where we explore her background, but she's for the past like few movies, like just kind of seen like a character that shows up and like does her thing and then doesn't, we don't really get to see the complexity of her character, like how you describe like Ryan. So this is where I've come here like with nothing. <laughs> and we're giving you everything. You don't have a song. You don't have a Wanda song. You mean? No, I <laughs> So sorry, I do not have a Wanda song. Maybe after this. <laughs> if you want to be my lover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think yeah, we're, yeah. we're now we have a Wanda flame. song, Courtney. Look yes, at that. There we go. But I had heard about House of M. Michael, I think you had like kind of mentioned it when Me? Yes, of course you. So that I kind of know a little bit about House of M just from research, but I have not read it. So I kind of know the gist of it and it's actually, it sounds so interesting and her character sounds absolutely her character arc sounds just um, 
really multi-dimensional, multi-level. So I'm really excited that were you guys allowed me to come on and like watch this and discuss allowed. it. Allowed. Oh, allowed. No, excited you're it. here. <laughs> I've been dying to meet you. I love your bookstagrams. I can I can go off on you on about how much I love your presence. Oh my god. Um, we well, were- I'm pretty much new, so I like definitely defer to the kings of comics you guys so yeah i mean and that's kind of what what this this whole panel is about is varied opinions and experiences with with comics i you know i'm a seasoned comic reader but i'm not a seasoned wanda pro whereas you know dayspring is a seasoned comics reader who is a seasoned wanda pro and then you know ryan comes in as a wanda fan and then a legacy a legacy wanda stan No, I think it it balances it out where I think I will probably give Wanda too many free passes. You will hold her accountable. So I will hold her ass accountable always. All right. So we are going to kick off with episode one of WandaVision. And there is no title, folks. It is just called episode one on Disney+. And we kick off the episode with Vision and Wanda, whom we last saw together when he died in Infinity War. And they arrive in this unnamed town and and everything is black and white. It's entirely shot in black and white. And they wake up one morning and they see a heart on the kitchen calendar and they both fret. They're like, what's so special about today? They don't know. So after a series of classical sitcom hijinks that perpetuate the idea that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, we find out that this day is important because Vision's boss and wife are coming over for dinner. And oh no, neither Wanda nor Vision are prepared for such a momentous occasion. And after a series of slap happy fails, dinner is served that includes, you know, the help from a nosy neighbor by the name of Agnes. But oh no, you know, something happens, Vision's boss chokes, and Vision has to remove the piece of food from his throat. And don't worry, guys, the evening was a complete success. The boss and, you know, his wife thought that Wanda and Vision put on a great dinner and he's going to get that promotion. And we end the episode with Wanda and Vision being like, hey, we should have a song. We should have an anniversary. We should have wedding rings. And they put on wedding rings. They say, I do. And they kiss. And it closes I Love Lucy style. But um, someone is watching them. And that elucidates the fact that something sinister is going on. So that was our recap of episode one. I'm going to throw it to you, Ryan, for your overall thoughts and everything on this. I mean, let's start with the iconic line right off the bat. My husband and his indestructible head. Um, (laughs) Too soon, Wanda. Too soon, girl. Like, I can still see the image of Thanos just crushing his head. It's, It's really funny. I have to say this right now. I, you know, I think MCU does a great job of quality when it comes to its movies and its franchise. I think this is hysterical and funny like they they capture really great moments where they make it like holy crap you're laughing because it's actually funny not just because you know you're laughing at its quality or you're making fun of it you're really feeling kind of the emotion behind it but there's also an unsettlingness in there and it's very like scary and it's kind of creepy um you know the obvious comparisons of like you know the dick van dyke show i love lucy bewitched it's just so great it's like the the references are there i love a good reference um but what i really loved a lot from the episode especially because it shows itself so 1950s style 
um, right up to like the end when he starts choking. Um, one of my favorite things and to tie this back to the comeback is when cinematography really comes in and kind of tells the story. And in that moment when he's choking, the camera angle and everything changes. And it really kind of not only reemphasizes that something's wrong, but it really just shows the viewer like, ooh, something just changed. Because like the camera angles are a lot closer, the, they're more dynamic. It's just really unsettling because you're so used to them being at this like far away kind of stage-like presence. So to see that scene, that really, I was like, that's a good one. I was like, Fine, that's that it. That's a really good observation yeah. because you're right. They had just been kind of doing that two camera sitcom yeah. view of everything until that point when it, he started choking and it's suddenly it, it, it was a new perspective on the entire situation. That, that's a very good observation. Right? And I, 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 I want to talk about the dining dinner scene, excuse me. But um, the one thing I will say is, my God, like the tension you felt yes. when that was happening, like it was it's almost like you went from that, you know, Dick Van Dyke sitcom, you know, perspective. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, what is happening there? So I, I really, I had a reaction spiritually to that. And I hate to say it like that, but I did rewatch it three times to analyze why I didn't have that reaction, which we'll talk about soon. But um, Courtney, what were your thoughts? Um, I have to say, I think Ryan, you mentioned unsettling and I definitely felt unsettled actually throughout the whole show because it felt again very sitcom very like I'm just watching from afar versus actually being up in it and so I felt of course like the audience that this was I'm not in this sphere this kind of reality um and I thought the whole thing just you know kind of not step forward wise but when you're just feel like there are pieces not quite right throughout the whole thing. And I actually had a question regarding the timeline of where this, this fits in to the MCU. So at first I thought when I was watching it that I was like, is this after Infinity Wars, before Infinity Wars? Like I was trying to place it in the scope. And because I initially thought like, oh, I feel like, anyone that's maybe someone new that's just jumping into the MCU, like this definitely does not stand as a standalone series. Yeah. Like I think you need some background as to who these characters are because they don't really reveal or kind of say. Yeah. So like if you just jumped into it, you wouldn't know that she's like Scarlet Witch because they just say Wanda the whole time. Mm -hmm. And that would be something I think if I was new and this was the first one, cause it is now on Disney plus, which is like offered to pretty much wow. all age ranges in this case that I would have not understood really kind of, I just would have thought, Oh, this is pretty weird and it doesn't quite make sense. And it's kind of slow. Um, like from the first part, you, you just don't really understand what the plot is going, where it's going as like a series. But that's great because it's it's just as confusing for fans like Flink yeah. and I. And just to to jump in right there really quickly, this is the beginning of phase four. And so it's yeah. after Endgame. Confirmed. Yeah. And that's not a spoiler or anything. Right, right. Because I also looked, I was like looking vision, like of course had the stone yeah. in his head. And so that's where I was like, okay, it, it's I thought it was before Infinity Wars, but then as I watched the second episode, I began to kind of understand, we can probably talk this in episode two, where this is not quite the reality of 
the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. This is right, right. Thing. I think you've you've hit on some very you know important things there. Is that you're supposed to sort of be questioning what's happening? When right. is this? How can, how can this this be? We saw him die, and like like Ryan mentioned, like his indestructible head. There's even a reference. There's even a reference to how he died. So. I think you're you're asking all of the the right questions. I think you're supposed to be, you know, confused and and off put by this at this point. Yeah, yeah. You guys have had like the same reaction, which I'm not going to speak for Flink, but I assume most fans have had, which is like this is unsettling. What? How did they get here? And I also wanted to ask you guys about the commercial commercials because both commercials were so interesting. Definitely Easter eggs within those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with like dark industries and and so, I didn't know if I wanted to ask you guys if you felt like these things, these commercials play a bigger role and if we should be paying extra yes. special attention to them in some way. I, I, I mean, obviously I I can't answer what, what they are actually going to lead to, but in episode one, of course, it was uh something for Stark Industries, a Stark brand toaster, like a super toaster. Um, and then I'll just go ahead and mention, you know, in episode two, it's it, it's for basically a Hydra, the Strucker watch, a Hydra watch. Um, so I, I obviously I do think those are two iconic uh, brands of sorts within within the MCU. So certainly that that's going to mean something, um, something that I don't think either one, I, something that either of you would have would have caught. That is another Easter egg is. Of course, at the end of the episode, it pans out to the credits being shown on a monitor and somebody is clearly monitoring what is happening. There is a logo on that TV. Uh, it is the the SWORD logo, which is the Sentient World Observation Response Division. So SWORD to shield. It's like the outer space shield. What? Um, and that, and that really hand is... And that hand is Fabian Cortez. <laughs> oh my God. Fabian Cortez has made it into the MCU, finally. Uh, well, it wasn't the X sword, so you're probably wrong <laughs> on that. I would, love it. I would love for you to be correct for him to come in in his fabulous three piece. But, um, you know, that pinged my radar because, you know, I can understand, you know, okay, a Stark commercial in the 50s makes sense given Tony's father. We've, we've sort of seen oh. that in Agent Carter and the, the whole Captain America era. That... That didn't pique my curiosity so much as, of course, the Hydra watch in, in episode two, which jumping ahead, we won't we won't go too off there. But the, the, the sword logo is what really piqued my interest because they're usually dealing with extraterrestrial matters. So like that makes me makes me be like, is there something extraterrestrial in nature about this, which is something that I hadn't considered at all prior to seeing that that logo on the TV. So all that to say, yes, I think the little Easter eggs that you're seeing throughout are like the commercials are very important to the overall story. Yeah. And something to note, since we're on the topic of the commercials, um, I'm not going to get into my theories uh, for the, the second one, but it's the same actors for both. Yep. And if you notice with the toaster, first of all, Vision's nickname in the comics is Toaster. And if you see the, the stark light, it starts flashing white, but then when it cuts back to it again, it's red. And my theory for why these commercials are playing, let's say, let's say just Tony Stark right now, I think it's because Wanda in the MCU was trapped when her hometown was like totally bombed and there was a Stark bomb in front of her and it was about to detonate. And it for days, she says this, she waited for Tony Stark to kill her. 
So my theory for the commercial is in, in just this one is that's her trauma showing that that's mm-hmm. how she manifested her trauma of being trapped in the rubble with Pietro, her brother, and they're waiting for Tony Stark and that beeping right there. And it turns red and, and we know the red is real and it's painful and it's there. So I yeah. now have a theory for the second one. So Which I'll, is, I'll put a pin in that. But let's put a pin in that. Okay, wait. So are you guys, Ryan, you look like you have something you want to say. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to just jump off of what you were saying about the toaster because there, there was two things that I noticed. Um, well, one, I thought it was interesting and not to, again, jump into the second episode, but it will segue at least, was the fact that, again, it pops two, piece of to- uh, two pieces of toast, two kids. Um, oh, and also Whoa. the alarm or the little beeping is uh, Iron Man's repulsor cannon. <gasps> oh my Bravo. God. I am I also, so proud of you. It's not, it's because it's not relevant. I, and- but No, it is. No, 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 no. Dayspring would know this. I also am a huge fan of Iron Man. That's why I like know a lot of the, Iron Man is one of my more, like when I was first starting getting into Marvel, Iron yeah. Man is kind of one of my favorites. So like, I do kind of pick up on those details a lot, but I, I, would, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the light because I noticed that too. I was like, oh my God, it turned red. I was like, that's so creepy. And especially when it's, you know, black and white to anything color just immediately pops like that. Yeah. Yeah. Link, I'm curious about the Easter eggs, all the references. You you know, I want to talk about Agnes, you know. Oh my God. I know. (laughs) But first, can we just say, before we dive into it, can we just say Catherine Hahn? Oh my God. Oh my gosh. So amazing. So fabulous. My favorite thing thus far. Like when she's here, like we saw this scene in the trailer where Wanda's like, I'm married to a man. And then Catherine Hahn's just pointing and like nodding at her. Just the way her body is positioned and how like flowy. She just, Catherine Hahn, local me. That's the spending, like she just did it so well. Yeah, 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 and I think speaking speaking of uh, of Easter eggs, you know, it's been speculated that you know, a, a huge character from from Wanda's past is in the comics is of course uh, Agatha Harkness, and uh, so it's been you know speculated with a name like Agnes Agatha that it's probably some version of her, and I would think that something that would definitely confirm that is the fact that she is always Agnes is always wearing the brooch that yes, Agatha got, wears in the exactly. comics. In the first yes. episode, she's wearing it up here uh, by her neck, uh, which is historically where Agatha wears it. The second episode, she's got it down, you know, like on her collar. Uh, there's no question in my mind that, you know, this Link. is definitely Agatha Harkness, who is one of the most powerful magic using characters in the Marvel universe. Link, were you able to see what is on the brooch? Uh, I didn't d- zoom in I couldn't, that close. I, I no. tried. I couldn't make it out. I couldn't make it out. But yeah, I think when she knocks on the door and uh, to bring the pineapple and she's wearing the capelet with the brooch right there, I mean, that is straight up Agatha's look. Yep. I mean, there was no there was no denying it. And, you know, the even MCU, the hair, even the hair and the MCU has a, you know, has a history of misdirecting us. Yeah. So just taking on what they're they're pointing us towards. And there are other clues as well that we'll talk in episode two, of course, that sort of elucidate that. But what what, what else? What else did you notice? Um, That's it? Well, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Hold up. Hold up. Let me let me pull up my uh, my four page Excel document right here. No, I was like I was getting really into it in terms of like seeing if anything like once you see an Easter egg, you're like, okay, could this be one like the date on the calendar of the heart. Like, I didn't know if that was significant to the numbers on their house. Like, 
how they I mean, were like two, eight, like what's an yeah. infinity symbols. Yeah. So was- the, 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 the calendar with the heart, I looked that up, nothing. I, I couldn't find anything. I know there's some fanboys out there. I saw on, on Twitter, they were like, well, if you subtract the numbers, you get Avengers <laughs> number like 120. And then that's where you know, they get married. Or I was like, I don't know. But the license plate, which I'm forgetting now, was like zero one, zero two, and like it points to whatever issue. It's I think the beginning of the Wanda and Vision relationship in a very subtle way, where Hawk Hawkeye was hitting on her, and Vision like kind of comes in, and it, it, they sort of start planting the seeds of where the relationship began. But the one thing that everyone's talked about prior to WandaVision, this was in the trailers and, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, someone interviewed one of the Jimmy's Jimmy's interviewed Elizabeth Olsen. They asked her like, what about Vision's tie? And there's kind of like a, you know, like a little square or a rectangle, excuse me, with two dots and then two dots out. And does that mean something? I, anyone's guess i i didn't really see i I didn't invest too much in it you know some of them are like they're trapped inside and people are trying to get inside or it's a hint that he's a robot to the outside world i don't know i I also didn't know if there was some they would try to pull some visual references from tom king's vision book in terms of because i know i thought i had heard or read somewhere that that was kind of a a, a little bit of an inspiration. Uh-oh. That's a Kill Bill sirens. You said that. <laughs> so oh. I, yeah, no, because it's, it, I think there's some things that are lifted, of course, naturally. And Vision as a character is a byproduct of that run. But this is 100% the Vision and Scarlet Witch volume two by Steve Englehart, where Wanda and Vision move to New Jersey and they try to have a suburban life. Wanda gets pregnant. She has twins, you know, the family comes and all those insane hijinks. But I'm sorry, Courtney, because like I literally no. ranted on Twitter being like, new sources who should know better keep saying this is inspired by Tom King's vision when it's clearly not. And wow. I, I think visually like- it takes a lot of its cues, like like the creepiness to it. I think that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dayspring, but there was a, you know, there is a creepiness to the the art and the look of the Tom oh, King vision run that I think yeah. uh, this is translating, adapting a, a, a bit. Yeah. The Engelhart, they're all horny. Wanda and Vision are horny the entire time. They, they And it's very colorful. And they're very, yeah, 80s comics. But um, I noticed a few other things that I, I did want to talk about um, because I rewatched this like three times and like paused everything. Uh, the first thing I do want to talk about, though, was the Dick Van Dyke inspiration because the set is almost like verbatim, like right. where Dick Van Dyke walks in and trips, like it's the same. He phases exact. through it instead. Yeah. And um, Elizabeth Olsen wearing that nightgown with all like the fluff and like the fur on it. That's what Mary Tyler Moore wore. She has Mary Tyler Moore's hair, which I thought was just really beautiful. I love the references to Sokovia and how that was kind of like, oh, you're from Europe. How exotic. Because someone from like the 50s would have that reaction. And the shutters in the kitchen is very bewitched. If you guys were fan, I, I grew up watching Nick at night. So I bewitched. was thinking it was very I Love Lucy. No. Well, the, the kitchen specifically, the window, but, but, the kitchen shutters. Maybe, but like in Bewitch, I'm pretty sure they have the shutters in the kitchen, like the same setup with the table there, like a house, not an apartment with the shutters there. So maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I thought 
episode two was far more inspired by oh, Bewitched absolutely. than episode absolutely. one with the animated credits and her yeah. look being an exact recreation of what yeah. uh, Samantha wore. Is it Samantha? Is that what she wore? Yeah, yeah. Samantha wore uh, on 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 Bewitched. Yeah. And um, again, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but the houses in between episodes one and two, oh, they they're in a different house, completely yeah. different house. Yeah. I also had a question. I saw that they had mentioned like Bolsheviks in like episode one, but then in episode two, they said communists. Like, I, th- I don't know if that also was like something that yeah, just showing yeah. the time period difference. Like at first I was like, what time are we in? Maybe the fifties. And then we'll be, which is sixties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right that's what I was going to, I was going to say too, is that it feels like each episode is going to jump like 10 yep. years. Year. Because, yeah. um, especially just like, even in the hairstyle alone and yeah. the, the fact that they made the comment again, not to jump ahead, but the fact that they made a comment about her wearing pants. Yeah. Right. Um, everyone else was wearing dresses. It's just like obvious. And also in the sixties was kind of when Technicolor was becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's right. I am okay. Look, and all I want to say is, I before I go into like some of the Easter eggs I, I saw that I think were pretty big. I thought the writing and the layering for this episode was just incredible. Like Wanda and Vision don't know what they're they're celebrating, and it becomes like a little hijinks in of itself. And it's so funny, and you're laughing along with it. But like the meta textuality is like they really don't know we don't know what's going on here and they're laughing, but there's something sinister going on there. And even when Viz is like, what do we do here? And he's trying to ask his boss about like, so what are our goals? And his boss is like, input and output. And he's here like, but what do you mean by that? And then he's here like, Viz, you are so, you're not with it. And like the audience laughs. I think it's a testament to how layered the writing is. And if you look at Vision's um, office, it's also the Mary Tyler Moore setup. Yep. From, from the show, which I thought was great. But okay, here are some Easter eggs that I'm shocked neither of you got. One, the label on the wine bottle translates to House of Misery. I don't remember the wine bottle. Oh, isn't that worth the, it, that's also what it dates it to, right? I think it was, that's where it says like, it says 1961 or 19. 19- yeah. And I, I was able to see because I love the, the practical effects within. And I think Elizabeth Olsen talked about how they have like this special effects crew that they're used to blowing up things and having to concoct these elaborate sets. But now they have to like grab a string and be puppeteers. And the, the biggest challenge of episode one was trying to wash the cup with the, the rag. But Guys, dinner scene. Mm. Do you do you guys realize what happened when he started asking questions? Wanda looks at him. He was not eating. He did not put anything in his mouth, and he started choking. She's looking at him because she's here, like, "Wow, you you just you're catching on that this isn't a reality that's stable." She's getting angry. She wants to kill him, and you zoom in on her eyes, and she's looking at him, and she looks really confused. I think she's conflicted. She's here, like, "I want to kill him, but I'm an Avenger. I can't do that." And then his wife is like, stop that, stop that. She turns to Wanda, yeah. looks at her and starts saying, stop it, stop it. And that's when she starts crying. And then that's when Wanda looks at Vision and says, Vision, help him. So I just feel that my theory here is that these people are real. Wanda has oh, somehow definitely. compromised their life. And she almost killed someone because he naturally questioned what was happening and she kind of had to wrangle herself in for that. To 
to jump off of that too. One thing I thought was really interesting because I was curious how fast they would go through the decades in turn. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's obvious by the trailers that we've seen that they are going to go through quite a lot, like to a contemporary time. But I thought it was really interesting that they jumped so quickly. And I, I hypothesized too that every time something bad happens within that specific decade, it's almost like in her head, um, she jumps to a different time to kind of escape whatever that problem is. Yeah. So like the boss being an issue during that time, maybe that's what spurred her to like feel like she needed to move to a different time where things are different. There's things going on that are not the same. Um, and that it, it kind of goes into it too in episode two, but I'll, I'll wait for that part. On that, like I thought it was more like she's in, like they're in this kind of weird concocted reality, maybe of in her mind, what she's kind of created. And when those kinds of instances happen, it's almost like a glitch and, and she's trying to fix that. Like, oh no, I'm trying to keep this reality as is versus like change it or get out of it. That was how I just processed because also that voice that comes in, maybe we talk about it later, feels like a radio, like. I have lots of feels on that. (laughs) All right. All right. Yeah. So we can jump to episode two, but like the only thing I would say that, uh, that I thought was a particular note that I liked was if we're looking at them trying to teach us how to understand this narrative and Wanda in the kitchen, when she feels overwhelmed, her powers are like haywired. So I think that's a nice little clue for the, for the viewers and people who aren't familiar that Wanda does not have control. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that, that's kind of the first instance we've really seen her using any sort of like magic versus random, like, like blasts of energy or telekinesis. This is the first time we're really seeing her materialize things, change things. Like this is the first time we've really seen her warp reality. Yep. So Let's go ahead, since we, we keep wanting to talk about episode two, we might as well go ahead and, and move on. So in episode two, we dive further into the black and white world of WandaVision as the titular pair sets out to meet the neighbors and put on a one-of-a-kind magic act in the local talent show for the children. All is not as it seems, however, as strange occurrences begin to pop up all around the couple and Wanda starts to see bits of red before she ends the episode with a magical pregnancy in full-blown technicolor. <gasps> In addition to really shaking things up for Wanda and Vision, this episode also served to introduce us to several new neighbors, including Emma Caulfield's Dottie, whom Agnes describes as the key to everything, and Tiana Paris's grown-up Monica Ramba. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me, Tiana Paris's Geraldine, who doesn't know what she's doing here. Now, with this episode, the devil's in the details, and that might not be the only place he is. So let's rewind, ask ourselves, is this really happening, and begin to speculate wildly. Courtney, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Oh, my God. So <laughs> where do I, gosh, where do I start with this episode? I think the, the most, the quote that I remember the most from this episode is that one, she, she they're, her and Vision are talking about the, the magic, the talent show performance. And she had said something along the lines, like in a real magic act, everything yes. is fake. And I thought that was just that point, I think set the tone for this episode. Yep. And with this, it, it kind of felt like there was a lot of these kind of moments where 
um, especially with Geraldine. I was going to ask you, I was like, is that, that's not her real name. Like, I no, think no, that is, connected. that is Monica Rambeau all grown up from Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Okay. That's, God, that's she that's looks like, beautiful by the way. Like talking about like Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany having these beautiful smiles, Monica Rambeau shows up with that smile. And I'm like that she is a scene stealer. So Her, Catherine Hahn, all scene stealers. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, while we're on the subject of, of Geraldine, <laughs> Uh, AKA Monica Rambeau. I want to point out something. This might, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but this was an Easter egg that, that I found. And I'm curious if I, any of you guys saw it as well. Her brooch. Does it look like one of Dr. Strange's portals to anyone but me? Hang on. Let me Google it. It's like circular and yeah. Sorry guys. I'm diving no, no, deep no, no, here. No, but... no, no, no. The devil's in the detail. Yeah. That's oh also... my God. Yes, absolutely. Oh my God, 100%. That looks like a portal. That looks like a portal. So I, I, the Doctor know, Strange I'm, portals. I'm wondering if, if, if that's Doctor Strange, if her presence there is Doctor Strange trying to, to infiltrate this world that, that Wanda has created. That's my, that's my little Easter we, theory there. I could be on crack. I don't we know. Know in the, in the, the next episode, in the 70s episode, she looks at her necklace when Wanda's like, who are you? So I wonder if maybe you're right. Like Dr. Strange has given her amulets or a portal in. Anyways, I'm sorry, Courtney, what were you saying? But didn't she say like a quote in this episode? Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. like, do, do you mean like, do you think she has control? Like she's in there of her own free will or is Dr. Strange kind of, so that's my guess that's my guess now that you know after the the brooch that looks like a doctor strange portal if i had to guess i would say that wanda this reality or whatever they're they're existing in is having effects on starting to affect the real world which of course is something i think we're gonna we're gonna see in future mcu films um so my theory is that monica rambeau is going to be like the hero uh, that they selected to sort of try and go in and infiltrate this world and end it. And she's all like, I don't know what I'm doing here because once she entered that world, she can't remember her mission. That's my guess. That's my guess. And not only that, I actually really do like that flank. Um, my, my theory is a little different that I think she knows who her mission, but I, I 100% like yours better. But I love how the actress played that scene where she's like, oh, I'm... um." You know, and then she says, girl, Dean, I thought it was, it was so well done. I mean, it's a testament to the acting. Yeah. Ryan, what did you think? I, I really love just like all the, I love the, the quirks and the, the humor, especially with the, the gags for revealing, if you will, what the magic was the whole time. I thought that was really clever. I love that gum is what made Vision drunk. And that was like a really clever way of just a very PG way of kind of making him act this way. And like, it was just really funny. Um, the Definitely what you said, Flink, the most bewitched kind of episode yeah. there because of her little hand gestures and even just like the way things would pop back in. It was so good. Um, and her hair, her hair. She's 100% oh, Samantha uh, Stevenson's hair. Uh, I was going to ask you how you felt about her Jack and your girl jeans weave. <laughs> She well, is full on 1960s Marvel 60s, girl with yeah. that red hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about this with Demanda. Like, Wanda does not have that hair. No, no, no. No, definitely uh, not. She does not. She she definitely went to Marvel Girl's closet and snatched that wig. But 
No, I um I I loved and even like the effects in episode one where the plate crashed and then they rewound it and it comes back up. Like I really feel the production team went above and beyond to replicate right that kind of time and place and how they shot things. And I appreciate those little details. Right. And well, something I do wanna to mention that that piggyback off of what Ryan said, uh, during the magic act where Wanda was sort of doing um, you know. The, the, her tricks to to make to sort of explain what's happening it's like whenever someone starts to to question things or whenever wanda and vision themselves start to question things there's always like an instant answer to explain why or how everything's actually okay because like at the beginning of the episode there's that banging outside of the window um and there's clearly not a branch present when when vision gets up to look out the window but when they really start to question what's going on suddenly there's a big branch hitting the window in like an over-the-top manner and like similarly when vision has real questions at like the neighborhood watch meeting everyone distracts him with gossip and then they give him the gum that throws him out of whack so that he stops like asking questions and like oh that's maybe a it's really nothing good but like um, you know like i said earlier i find it kind of interesting that during the magic act Wanda is kind of doing the same things, like revealing on the fly, like a real world explanation uh, for what's happening. And I'm just kind of like, you know, when the radio is all, who's doing this to you, Wanda? I'm like, bitch, she's doing this to herself. <laughs> so well, that's, that's my thing. Like, I, like yeah. every time something, someone or something that starts to question, there's automatically a, a practical answer for what's happening. Right. I completely agree with you too. I, I, when they kept asking, it's like, who's doing this to you, Wanda? I was like, from the get-go, especially from the source material, it's her. She's doing this to herself. But I think she's definitely involving a lot more people. And that's the issue is that like her magic or kind of the effect she has over these individuals isn't really um, permanent or working as properly as it can. So yeah. little things can almost kind of create a glitch or crack her reality. Um, it goes back to kind of, you know, House of M in that respect where it's This like, reality really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> It goes back to, you know, House of M where it's like, you know, people start to reawaken and that's cracking her reality, this world that she had. Um, and I, and it's even more, again, the devil's in the details. Every single time something breaks or something bad happens, they go straight back to acting like nothing happened. It's like she's manipulating it to kind of put it back into place. Um, and, and there's a lot of also like really interesting metaphors of like things breaking and putting them back together, the plate. Um, the glass breaking, all these things, like just a lot of stuff that's like really interesting. The uh, Dottie's comment of how does a housewife get a red stain or a wine stain out of white? You know, it's just really interesting the the metaphors and the way she talks and or the way the characters talk. But again, I'm a sucker for quotes. The best line in that episode is, is that how mirrors work? <laughs> that was- <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask too many questions. <laughs> Don't ask- <laughs> So, oh, with this back ass and you won't remember a thing. <laughs> like, literally. So you mentioned the, the, the quote, you know, the devil's in the details. And then, of course, Agnes's great follow up to that was that's not the only place he is. And she's referencing Dottie, who is, you know, described as earlier by Agnes as well as being the key to everything. Do we think? But then we see but then we see Dottie glitch out as well. So I'm like, maybe for a minute there, I was thinking maybe Dottie was like Mephisto or she was oh. like some like magical representation. And she wow. was, you know, in charge of, of everything that was happening. And that's why she was the queen bee. But then I sort of started questioning that when she herself started glitching out and sort of 
sort of kind of connected to that because because you know Dottie was involved in both of these these scenes heavily. The way that everybody kept saying for the children, for the children. Yeah. I'm, you know, starting to question, you know, as much as I was saying, well, this is Wanda's own doing, you know, just two minutes ago. I also on the same, you know, on the flip side of that, I have to wonder, is this whole entire scenario created for Wanda to create her children? Because there seems to be a lot of pressure around her to have children. Yeah, I I thought about that. That was exactly in my notes because it wasn't just in this episode. It was in the previous episode. Like, why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? And, you know, that that kind of grew into fruition here. You know, to say something about Dottie, that first of all, Emma Caulfield, like fucking goddess. I love Emma Caulfield. But um, Jeff was telling me that he was speaking about this with his coworker that she could be part of the Salem Seven, you know, which is that sisterhood, which does appear in the original comic but for me again and and this goes back to vision's boss mr hart when he was really choking when when Dottie smashes that glass and she's bleeding red and it's a color red i thought thematically or from a cinematography cinematography perspective they were showing us that she was real and that she's actually bleeding and wanda is actually injuring people and compromising people so that's that's where I see Dottie. I don't think Dottie's the one. But I do have a theory on who may be pulling the strings apart from Agnes. But um, I don't know how I feel about Mephisto, though. Mephisto is not part of my theory. And I'm curious what everyone else thinks about that. I, I know they did the devil in the detail reference, obviously. But I just if we're going to if this is presumably going to segue into the multiverse, I, I just don't see them throwing in Mephisto just, or at least maybe a different version of Mephisto. Um, I'm open to it, but it's not part of my theory. I think, I think it works perfectly though, when you think about it, because, you know, again, you have these characters like Thanos, who was kind of like built up over time. And by introducing him, it opened up kind of this whole aspect of the MC universe. And then now with Mephisto, you know, um, the idea of him being kind of the big bad in phase four and the, and already kind of introducing him. I got you. You think he's going to be a bigger, you think this is his, I'm sorry. The way I, I kind of read what you guys were talking about with Mephisto was that he is just a villain of the series. And I was like, well, I, you're thinking of a little bit more long-term. This is like four. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. this is the setup for sure. I mean, especially okay. with everything going on. It, it makes the most sense. Okay. That's I, I can get behind that. Another question with this, like for the children, I cannot like this talent show for the children, the constant reference for the children, but like, is this, I have not seen any children even at that talent show. This is like a a thing, right? Where it is just like symbolic in the fact that they're creating this for Wanda. I think that's a very apt observation. I I hadn't picked up on that. Yeah. As for as much as they're talking about for the children, there aren't any children any anywhere and and speaking of people who aren't anywhere, where is this husband that Agnes has mentioned in Ralph, the episodes? Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Where's funny. Ralph? We, you know, I think I, I think of Stan from Will and Grace, where he's like character oh. you know, see. <laughs> But I think I, I think Kevin, Yeah, I think Kevin Fahey is a bit more strategic and there's a reference brewing in there. Did you guys notice that? Mr. Hart wasn't there with his wife. Did Wanda blink him out of existence? (laughs) Well, it goes back to what you guys were saying. You know, if these are real people, maybe he actually did die. And it kind of like covered up like in her head, like she... 
Or maybe yeah. Wanda's like, you're gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> sashay away. <laughs> Wanda's like, sashay away. You're literally questioning my reality. And my reality does not suck. So, so you know, we kind of, I kind of touched on, you know, thinking that maybe devil's in the details could be a reference to like Mephisto or some evil power being behind this. But I, there's another little Easter egg uh, towards the end of this episode that makes me think perhaps uh, a different party may be involved in this. And this is what I'm really curious, Dayspring, if this is who you're theorizing behind it. But at the end of the episode, they hear the loud bang noise again. And when they go outside to investigate, just before Wanda reverses reality, remember she has just discovered she's pregnant, hears the noise, goes outside to investigate, and then reverses the reality. But what they find when they go out to investigate is a beekeeper. When you put a beekeeper suit in the Marvel Universe, the only thing I can think of is AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics, yeah. who is a super villain scientist organization yeah. within the Marvel Universe. They're, the head of the organization is literally a giant head, MODOK, uh, I, I, you know, on, on the one hand, the, 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 I'm thinking Mephisto on the other, I'm thinking, you know, science, I'm thinking aim has yeah. something to and do And don't with forget, it. this is the episode that also had the hydro reference. So <laughs> I, I did think of aim. I didn't let myself go down that rabbit hole because I didn't think there was too much there yet for me, but I, I agree. I think aim would make most sense and aim would have the most to get out of wanda procreating two mystical children and, yep. and and being able to exploit that quickly just to address um hydra i think it's her trauma showing from the trauma yes. of the experiments you know we have the tony stark trauma and now we have the the strucker experiment who empowered her in pietro yeah. with the with the was it the mind stone i think it was the yes. mind stone so i think and we know that's gonna that those they're gonna flash back to that because that's been in the trailer so i think the the commercials so far have just elucidated her trauma um my theory is that it is agatha harkness who's behind everything but agnes is a decoy and the real agatha is actually mrs hart oh that's Whoa. that's what it, because and i wouldn't have thought that until they showed her and it's a way they showed her in the back of the talent show they made sure to give you her right there and then move forward and it could be nothing i i do think though it's clear that Wanda is going to have a face-off with Agnes. Agnes, Catherine Hahn, Agnes. To what degree is Agnes Agatha? I don't know. But did you catch another Agatha reference in this episode with her? I did not. Her rabbit is named Senor Scratch, and Agatha's son is Nicholas Scratch. I mean, that is... Who knew that? I mean, that's... <laughs> someone who was up till four in the morning, bitch. I love Agatha, though. I, I'm not, like, the crazy Agatha fan that I probably was when she appeared in X-Men Evolution, but I, I certainly like the character quite a bit. I, I went through a phase and and with what happened with uh, House of M. But also, Nicholas Scratch is a character on Sabrina. So, but yeah, Senor Scratch is... Uh, is a reference to her son. So I think without a doubt, she is an incarnation of Agatha Harkness. Yeah. I, and another, and so many Easter eggs, so many Easter eggs is, uh, I believe it's the first color that Wanda sees in this episode. The red toy helicopter again yeah. had the sword logo. Oh, I didn't. So what I noted about that was that it was Tony Stark colors. 
It was, yeah, but it was the sword. But logo. I didn't see the sword logo. Yeah. That's a nice find. I had a question on that actually. Like my, I think Flinkman, since you mentioned aim, that that thought kind of crossed in mind. Do we think there is like with the chopper being from sword? Because I saw the sword. Is there something going on outside of this reality that she's created? Because um, is AIM like an, I guess I'm assuming military organ, like some. Yeah, like a shady science kind of paramilitary group. Yeah. And have they ever in like comics cross paths with sword or is there some. Um, I didn't know if there was. Head. Can I, but, but can I think of any specific occasion, but. AIM is a general all-purpose kind of villain organization within the Marvel Universe. They have been used in many different ways in many different books. There's, you know, it's a multifaceted, they, they, they can be fit into any situation. So I, I think that would make sense for, for S.W.O.R.D. and AIM to cross paths. And I wonder if S.W.O.R.D. is now the successor to S.H.I.E.L.D. So they're not necessarily dealing with outer threats, but maybe this is how they begin and and homeland threats or paranormal threats. And then they grow to what eventually we have now in the, in the 616 books. I don't know. I don't don't know. I think it's probably an evolution of S.H.I.E.L.D. because if you remember uh, the last post credit scene that we got in the MCU was Nick Fury aboard a scroll ship in in deep space so the head of shield is is involved with with you know extraterrestrial affairs now uh so i wouldn't be surprised if this is just sort of the next evolution of shield Shield. yeah i just wonder if it's like officially sanctioned um we'll have to find well we'll find out but um i'm trying to think of what other easter eggs did you see uh the box was it the the I'm talking about the magic box that, that oh I, goes in I saw some people talk about this I, was didn't, that I didn't see an anything. infinity stone paint I, on the maybe. front of it a glowing infinity stone and maybe. do we think the chanting mm-hmm. what's in the box what's in the box like what is in the box I don't yeah. I mean yeah. I don't know. does that mean anything to anyone <laughs> I don't know I didn't, I didn't, I, it didn't mean anything to me. At least that I, I don't see now on the surface. I just thought it was kind of weird that they all just kind of randomly kind of mindlessly started chanting that. I don't know. Um, the opening credits had a few Easter eggs and I got one. what was one? Let, let's hear it. Cause I have two. Both I have milk. milk. Oh my God. That was my favorite one. When I saw it, did you, did you see the, the Instagram I posted where it's like, how salty is it that the Bova reference? She's like a, a, a carton of milk. Right, she's like the Borden, like Borden dairy cow. <laughs> like, so do you guys know who Bova is? No. no. So Bova is you're a lucky. Mid- you're lucky. She she basically is a person who ruined Wanda's life. Yeah. Bova actually she delivered the twins and told another person. I, I'm I'm making this very simple. Told another person, oh, these are actually your kids. <laughs> And the other guy like freaked out and it just, she's like this cow anthropomorphic animal cow woman who is supposed to be Wanda and Pietro's like surrogate mother, but really has just dicked them over since yep. birth. She's just like a, a bitchy cow. So the that other thing. so weird. Wait, there's <laughs> a cow? Like what? Yeah. It's so comics. Think- it's comics. <laughs> Yeah, it's an anthropomorphic, like, think of, like, the fantastic Mr. Fox, but as a cow who's, like, really salty and just, like, <laughs> like, oh, der whiz, like, this is your children. And, like, he's here, like, no, I can't accept them. And 
but yeah, they used the, they used the talking cow as like a dairy mascot in the yeah. MCU, and that's kind of shady. That's it's kind of shady. So if you this was so quick, I and I literally did it because I saw a bone, and I thought that would have been a reference to the dog in Tom King's run, but next to the bone is actually um, Grim Reaper's mask. And Grim, Grim Reaper is a brother of Wonder Man who is the template for Vision in the comics. And in the, in the WandaVision, WandaVision, the Vision and Scarlet Witch comic, he comes in quite a few times. And, you know, I don't think we're going to see Grim Reaper just come in, but maybe maybe Wanda will fabricate, fabricate in-laws in some way, shape, or form. But is, is he a mutant or a villain? Like he's what? a villain. He's not a mutant from, but he in the comics eventually comes to accept Vision as his brother, as a, like a reincarnation of his brother, and it and it happens in this comic. So I wonder if we will actually see him again. I don't think so. They're uh, technology based, uh, and then he gets like the techno scythe. And he has some magical later on, he gets some magical related abilities. So he's no scythe. That's like a, sounds like a musical genre, but um, yeah. So I wonder if we are actually going to, I don't think we're going to get Magneto. I think if we're going to get any in-laws coming in, Magneto is right. Flingster. I think if we're going to get any in-laws, it's going to be a Quicksilver. It's either going to be, you know, Evan Peters, Quicksilver or Aaron Aaron. Taylor Johnson. Another Easter egg was their names for the magic show are Glamour and Illusion. And in the comic books, there are two separate characters called Glamour and Illusion who join Wanda in this neighborhood. Devil in the details. Devil was in those details. So I thought, you know... I really, I really enjoyed these episodes. Do you guys have any, any, any other thoughts? I think we really picked that apart. I, I love just, I think this episode was so much fun to watch too. It also reminded me, cause again, it was introducing a lot more color into it. It reminded me a lot of Pleasantville. Um, yes. Very kind of that. And, and of course being red, the first thing you see it, like such a nice stark contrast for the whole um, kind of metaphor of what she's going through. I love, uh, a mini, if you will, a mini no more mutant, mutants moment at the end where she says no and she just rewinds everything. It like <laughs> shows that she is in a way really kind of in control. Cause like even after that point, the guy's not there anymore. You don't hear the, the branch, you don't hear anything. It goes perfectly normal. And then she jumps to like a seventies esque, you know, cause that's what the next episode is going to be leading into more of like a seventies environment. And I think that's like really just showing that everything around her is cracking and every time she crack it cracks she tries to fix it and she tries to like piece it back together and i think like as each episode progresses it's going to be like bigger tears and bigger cracks throughout her mental um kind of you know landscape if you will yeah can i just say that as we're skipping through these decades and copying the format of all of these various sitcoms if when we get to the 90s they do not give us a full house moment <laughs> with the olsen twins oh sisters, i agree i will be so upset I, wow I yeah oh we need that um i i didn't even think about that i mean they they need to definitely do that mary kate cameo well no she wouldn't do fuller house so like Come on, like the awesome things up left me down. A gay can love, dream. She looks Brady Bunch. Right oh, yeah, I think we're getting the Brady Bunch reference. Get... Mixed up. She, Elizabeth Olsen just like looks so much like the Olsen twins. 
that was the one thing in this that I couldn't like get out of my head. Like in the movies, for whatever reason, I guess I've never seen the Olsons on the big screen, but like on TV, I'm it like, it takes two. Oh, Hello. you're right. Yeah, with Jared Padalecki. With Jared Padalecki. Um, no, wait, that was New York Minute. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I know too much about the Olsen twins all of a sudden, but um, I, um, I, I, I loved it. There was in this episode, there was a Hackensack reference. So we can assume this also takes place in New Jersey, which I really, really liked. Did you guys notice what was in the end credits uh, for both episodes? I can't recall now. When they're doing the lights, they do Wanda's tiara or headpiece. Oh, yeah, and then Vision's. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the big question I have following this, though, is because if this is post-Infinity um, War and Endgame, and this is the beginning of Phase 4, where's vision's body is this at you know are we going to see that and i think my my working theory just to go into overall thoughts here my working theory is that wanda has seized an entire town and shield or excuse me sword is trying to get in that's how we have monica rambo there's another shady organization that's manipulating wanda but we also know that kat denning's character is going to come in uh, later on, she's been confirmed. Um, what's her name? It's Darcy, Darcy Lewis. Darcy Lewis. So we know they experiment with like, you know, interdimensional travels and stuff like that. And I'm just curious, are we going to see the real world? And are there going to be like, where's Vision's body? Like, is that going to be mm-hmm. a conduit for why they, they were investigating? Why? Well, weren't they, weren't they backing up? Um, oh my God. Black Panther's sister, right? Wasn't she backing up his mind? in Endgame or something? No, she was she was running she was trying to Trinity find a way to separate the stone. Okay. I thought I thought that I thought that she was also backing up his mind and that was like the way Maybe she trying. did. Maybe she did. Maybe she did and we just don't know. I mean sure I, sure he would. Sure he's just the, the, the adult there. I'm sorry to cut you off too no, crazy about Shuri. I was, I was just gonna say because I think that would be I think I personally feel like at the end of this, especially because again, you know, taking from the source material and understanding how Wanda's powers really do have like a huge effect. I mean, this is also coming from a bitch who literally could make like a bottle fall on someone's head just because she controlled luck. Like that was like her her original powers. Like, oh, whoopsie, that bottle just fell and hit your head to like literally warping reality. Um, I think- Warp reality, that really sucks. Chill with Wanda in the sun. All right, chill. This isn't American Idol. <laughs> um, no, it's Wanda Idol. Wanda, oh God, Wanda, everything. Um, but I think I don't think you, Wanda. I think at the end, it is going to be kind of um, her uh, her power getting so strong that she actually does change reality, and she kind of retcons some things, or maybe might even be able to bring people back from the dead, maybe, or something like, I feel like there's going to be a huge ramification with this. Cause what it's showing already is that this is definitely a, at least my interpretation and for sure what it's being shown, it's a pocket dimension. So she has a lot of control here, but yeah. what's to say when she gets out of that pocket dimension, how much power she can kind of bring into the world and really yeah. shape everything and change it. I think for sure vision will probably be brought back. This is a great way to kind of reintroduce the character and bring them back from, Endgame, especially. Yeah. 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 And, and I think and that there's the... an opportunity, uh, you know, there's in the comics, Vision gets brought back in a different body. He's a completely different color. He's, he's white, you know, white. His personality oh. has changed and, and he has no interest in Wanda at that point. So I think even if we do get Vision back at the end of this, there's going to be a situation like that 
yeah. where, you know, he and Wanda are not going to be together anymore. And maybe that's the catalyst for her to, to like lose it. And I don't know. I also think that, you know, Dayspring, you sort of drilled this idea into my head that I, I think she's going to attempt to bring back Quicksilver yeah. uh, and she's going to break the multiverse and we're going to get Evan Peters Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men movies instead yeah. of the MCU. I, exactly. That That's I thought she is going to reach for her brother in a moment of desperation and she's going to pluck Evan Peters and not Aaron Taylor Johnson. I hope. <laughs> I, I, but I, I would like to see him. I would love to see him kind of like come in as like, and we find out he was just a construct. Like, I don't know. I, I, I do think it would be weird if we don't get Aaron Taylor Johnson in this. Mm-hmm. I, he, it just seems like it would be weird that she wouldn't, would. wouldn't have him. If she's cr- creating her own reality, if that's a theory. Well, I think everyone's been waiting for him to yeah. come back. So it's yeah. kind of now or never a little but bit. But I think Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think... Well, Darcy Lewis we have and um and I think we we should see Doctor Strange that would be weird if he didn't I don't know about a Spider-Man I don't know if they'll do a post credit with Spider-Man but there are certain characters that I'm expecting should show up and I think Catherine I last night I looked at an obscene amount of interviews with Catherine Hahn and I love her her and Paul Bettany let it slip that seven eight and nine are going to be among like the most mind-blowing things they've ever done in the MCU Wow. So they said everyone's going to talk. Everyone's going to lose their shit beginning in episode seven. As if we're not talking right. already. So what? That's going to be a five hour conversation. But <laughs> but thank you guys so much for joining us today. Is there anything else you wanted to add for WandaVision this week? We can we, we, we have next week, guys. And the week after that. And the week no, after I think that. you guys like really, I mean, you guys opened my mind as to what could potentially happen in this phase four universe. So you guys have honestly like this whole kind of experience with this episode just shows how knowledgeable you guys are and the depth of your knowledge in this universe. Do you have Instagrams that are public? Do you want to share any social media, any upcoming projects? Yes. You can find me at Lil Tattoo King on Instagram. Um, That's where I post all my artwork and you can see my life and also, you know, my cute pictures of my dog. I was um, gonna say Huey. 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 Oh, he's I'm an such- uncle, guys. I'm so excited. Congrats. This is about me, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a nephew, a real one. <laughs> a real one. <laughs> a human one. <laughs> the devil's don't on you, the food, that's for sure. <laughs> don't you don't you want a nephew? Sorry, I can't you guys don't realize this, but this is all I'm going to hear for like literally a week now because of how I, good that little stint was with us. Like you really nailed that one. No, you nailed it. I can't believe you remembered the lyrics. I got them cute. I think I'm going to go on like the American Idol or something. Okay, I love that journey for you because I don't think you're particularly talented as a singer, but like, yes, do that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> welcome welcome courtney Hi, brotherly love. And... so sorry for you courtney <laughs> all right courtney and the gays it's a new podcast <laughs> courtney and the gays <laughs> love it i love it courtney do uh, you any social media you want to plug i just have courtivate c-o-u-r-t-i-v-a-t-e and i just it's public but i just post stuff that I'm it's a bunch of random stuff that I'm doing in your Instagram Korea. is fabulous don't even play I love oh my god that dress of you with your bookstagram I like I like oh my god <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> 
just yeah i mean i'm trying to read more this year than last year so and my tastes like span from nonfiction to fiction to sci-fi to all that so i just kind of post what um I'm reading at the moment, but yeah, it's just a hodgepodge of alongside brain. lots of delicious food and Korean scenery. As always, I'm the uncanny day spring and I am the adjective list Linkman. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace out guys. Peace out guys.